another edition of the Paul's Body Engineering Podcast. Today we bring you episode number 57 and I've got a very special guest um, on today's podcast. He is one of Australia's best bodybuilding coaches, natural bodybuilding coaches. He is also a natural bodybuilding pro with a couple of federations having competed overseas in Australia, won world titles, won Australian titles. Um, he is the one and only Brandon Kempter of BK Conditioning and he is going to be on the podcast very, very shortly. As always, if you are interested in any of my coaching services, please jump on paulsbodyengineering.com to have a look. But for now, let's get on with the podcast. Okay, we're up and running. Brandon Kempter, how are you going, mate? I am very well, thank you. Thanks for uh, having me on today. Pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Are you? Have you still got competitors competing this season? Because the season's pretty much done, but I know there's a couple of shows still to go. Yeah, the season's pretty much wrapped up. Obviously, ICN Nationals was the last of the big shows, but we still yep. have one of the uh, one of the young guys in Korea. He's got oh, a yeah. show. Yeah, show yesterday on the Wednesday. Uh, yep. It was a WABF show, and he's got one this weekend and the next. And we've still got one of the guys in the US who's doing some of the NPC shows and their shows are real spread out. They basically, you know, you can compete in one of the federations in the U S at any time of the year. So big stuff's done, but we're still rolling. Unreal. Unreal. Hey, just a complete segue here, but how do you find prepping clients internationally compared to those in your own backyard? Is, is there much difference in terms of how you do it or? Uh, I say that the process is, is the same or very yep. similar. Um, where things get a little bit interesting is, uh, food availability and yep. I say a few things one be food availability just because you know the US has different brands for example yep. um, and when you're working with individuals in say like India or Korea for example uh, they have different cultural norms in terms of maybe you know what general foods are available and what they would usually define as a breakfast meal versus a dinner meal of course so definitely there's a bit more work involved and I find myself doing a lot more uh uh, you know, asking a lot more questions and, and yeah, we have to personalize things a lot more. So, yeah. yeah, cool. Okay. Fair enough. What about the time difference? Like, do you have to get up at stupid hours to, to compensate for the different times? I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For shows, like for shows, I'm up in the middle of the night. Um, like Korea is really good because it's like a couple hours time difference. Okay. Um, different parts of the U S though. And the UK, they'll yep. be, you know, 12, 13 hours. UK is pretty, pretty easy ish. But US, yeah, it's like middle of the night. Just yeah, yeah. Well, keep going. Uh, part of the gig, mate. Nature of the beast, isn't it? <laughs> so I thought, because uh, I've listened to a number of your podcasts that you've been on, um, and obviously you've yeah. talked about all different things. But I, I listened to, I can't remember who it was, um, but you um, gave a, a a very comprehensive overview of how it all started for you, for in terms of bodybuilding, growing up on your parents' yeah. farm and doing chin-ups in trees and all this sort of stuff. So I wanted to I wanted to get into that because that was really interesting. So if yeah. you wouldn't mind taking us back to, because you, you come from the Sunshine Coast or, or just north of, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, to be totally honest, we were, uh, as a family, as a, as a child, I was quite spread out across the East Coast. Um, okay. Originally born on the Gold Coast, actually no lie, born on Mackay, spent first few years on the Gold Coast and then uh, spent a lot of time. So all my high school years or most of my early high school years were in the, uh, in the Whit Sundays. Okay. So up north. And then the Sunshine Coast was sort of end of high school, university, all that fun stuff. So cool. yeah. So my family, yeah, they are based up in uh, the hinterland and that's, 
mean, it's not out in the sticks, but it's still, if you don't have a car, you know, license as a, a young teen, you're somewhat isolated. So we just, um, <laughs> I just did what I could with what I had. So, there, you know, we had a bunch of concrete that went off so I could do uh, a variety of, you know, I could do shoulder presses and bicep curls with that. We had Bessa bricks that I put on tent poles to do, you know, barbell movements. I went down to the back paddock, uh, pulled out a few pine trees with the tractor and um, mm-hmm. put those in to make a chin up bar. When I finally yeah. got a bench press, I built a self spotting rig because at that time it was, you know, you have to go to failure every set. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I built a frame um, with basically two pine trees and a frame on top with some ropes that went down attached onto the barbell so that if yeah. I dropped that barbell, it would stop at my chest. Yeah, well, wow. And yeah, that's basically how it started doing lunges with whatever I could find, weighted dips on, you know, whatever chairs I could find with a, a backpack with as many stones as possible in it. And uh, that's where it starts, you know. That's awesome. It was, it was a good time. It was just yeah. an organic start. Hey, organic, I like that. An organic training start. That was and unreal. You know, when, when I finally got into a gym, you know, it was just the best thing ever. I mean, it, it's like I never take the gym for granted. I mean, the, the home gym that I now have is like mm. my ultimate dream, really. Because back yep. then, you know, it was just, you just had to do what you with you know whatever you could with whatever you could find and once i got my car license it was like okay now i can go to a proper gym that has a barbell and dumbbells (laughs) it's gonna be great things we take for granted yeah wow yeah absolutely yeah that's awesome that's awesome so what's so the transition from that to the gym and then from the gym to bodybuilding talk through Mm. that like how how you came across bodybuilding why it is your number one thing at the moment or, or back then more so. Yeah. And and then obviously into competition. Yeah. Well, I think growing up, I think like most people, I really idolized, uh, you know, action heroes. Like I, I was a comic book freak when I was a kid. So everything I read in comics, comic books, everyone was jacked, right? Of course. So yeah. I a piece of that. <laughs> <laughs> and then when, uh, you know, I, I saw, so I started training obviously on the, on the farm and, then in my late teens, I had the opportunity to work out of a personal training studio in Caloundra around the corner from you. Yep. Um, and at that time, I actually got involved in CrossFit. I really liked the, the, just how brutally challenging it was, but <laughs> I, I also liked the look of being a bodybuilder. So I was training ridiculous volumes. Then I was training in the morning as a bodybuilder and then in the evenings doing some CrossFit. Then I got to a point where, you know, uh, obviously you can't really do that forever and you have to, you know, the laws of specificity apply. You got to choose your route. And I went obviously towards yep. bodybuilding. So yeah, started bodybuilding, um, on, like got on stage the first time at 19. That was an A and B show back then. Um, didn't, I mean, I would say I was moderately well-informed all things considered for the, for the time at least. Sure. And did surprisingly well, got, got, uh, you know, first in team for my, my first show, then did the IMBA shows. Uh, that year, I'm trying to think if it was that, that, that year, yeah, I went to nationals that year, the first yeah, year okay. I drove my, uh, my Nissan Pulsar, which was burning more oil than it was petrol at the time. <laughs> oh, uh, I love it. Drove down to Sydney, stopped in at uh, every petrol station to top it up with both petrol and oil. And it made it home, <laughs> thankfully, as well. But that's where it started. And it was like, wow, I just had this realization, you know, I didn't get into the 
the, the competition side of things to win per se. I just did it because I wanted to take this canvas that was my body and see what I could do with it. And to walk away with a great result in the first show, I was like, okay, I can be good at this. And yeah, from there, yeah. it was just a constant, you know, uh, process of learning and progression. Um, you know, personally, yeah. So is that is that your driver? Is that your motivator to train every time to know that you can improve, change, um, you know, develop? Is that is that what sort of sparks you every time you set foot in the gym? Yeah, I think so. I just yep. think there's something sort of cool about like the coolest thing about bodybuilding is that it, it's it's just you and the weights. Yep. I think people get lost in life with with all sorts of stuff, you know, materialistic that and whatever. Yeah. But I think bodybuilding it's just such a like in the end, it's just you and the weights and, and your body and what you're doing with it. And yeah, that's why yeah. I think it, just, it for me personally, it just grounds me. I'm like, this is amazing. And these days to have the opportunity to share that with people mm. through, um, you know, my, both my kind of philosophies and, and the science is just amazing. That's, a, that's, that's awesome. That's unreal. That's unreal. So was it, was it your goal to always be a prep coach then? Did, is that something that you aspired to early on once you found bodybuilding? You know, to be totally honest, um, originally I wanted to become a physiotherapist. Um, okay. That was the original piece. And in my mind, when I started, you know, working towards that, I was thinking, you know, anyone can work with able-bodied individuals. I want to help people through, uh, you know, the, the recovery process back, getting back to hundred percent, whether that was from, you know, whether that was, uh, you know, in a joint clinic or a cardiac clinic, whatever it was. Yep. But when I found bodybuilding, I quickly changed my tune and went, okay, cool. I enjoy this. This is where I need to go. Uh, and very quickly, you know, my, my whole entire coaching was directed towards athletes. From about 2014 onwards, yep. um, that, that's the direction that I went. And I mean, these days I've been working with, with athletes well, a lot longer than I was ever working with Gen Pop. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Do you have any Gen Pop clients still? Or is it no? Everyone's an athlete. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a very fortunate place to be. Yep. Um, the, the thing with Gen Pop is I don't really understand them at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel as though my capacity to coach would be quite limited when it comes to Gen Pop because I lack relatability. Um, I get that. You know, so working with athletes, I'm like, you, we speak the same language. This is yeah, great. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love how you put that. That's awesome. Um, all right, so let's 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 break it down a little bit further in terms of your because you're you're incredibly busy, and I know that firsthand. How how do you manage your week? Are you methodical with timing? Do you diarize everything? Um, how do you prioritize your own training, and then how do you unwind as well? You know, I think that um, I think that in general, as a like starting from a let's say before before I was a coach, I was a bodybuilder, yep. and I think that as a bodybuilder. Routine can be your best friend, Absolutely. particularly in the context of contest preparation. The more the more autonomous you can make your day, the more you can free up your mental for the things that matter. Yep. And then later on, taking those lessons, you apply them to be. I I, I kind of bring everything back to bodybuilding because for me, it's like that taught me uh, patience as a mm. very impatient person previously, <laughs> as an impatient child, right? Right. So it taught me kind of all the fundamental skills. So. Then in co as a coach now, yes, my days are like structured, they're routined, and I love that. Mm. Um, it means that I can, if I'm routined in, in, and uh, methodic in the way that I structure my day, I have the time 
to give each individual what they need. And of course, give myself what I need as well to be happy, make sure, make sure I've got time for training and, and a, bit of, a little bit of downtime here and there. Oh, of so, course. So do, do you structure your training same time every day and it's a non-negotiable or do you sort of, are you flexible based on how the week's going? I try to be as consistent as possible with my training times. Uh, show time is probably where I have the most flexibility just because yep. come, coming in a show, as you know, it's chaotic and oh, yeah. I'll get a message at any given time of the day, like, hey, what, what about this? look at these photos and we're constantly on the go. So I'll kind of squeeze in where I can. Yep. But generally speaking, I actually train early in the morning on the most behalf. And the reason I do that is because it means it, 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 when it's early in the morning, my time is my time. People are not yep. expecting me to get back to them at five or six o'clock in the morning, which means I can just focus on the training. Yes. Um, and I think like most, you know, bodybuilders, I have an emotional attachment to my training. And if my training is good, my life is great. My training is not so well. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit distracted up here. <laughs> so if I can tick that box in the morning, I'm like, wow, my day is amazing. Like I have just taken care of business and in, in this area, which I really love. Yep. And now I can just give my whole being, you know, to my athletes for the remaining section of the day. This is great. Yeah. That's awesome. So that yeah. just brought, that just, um, made me think of a, a, a question that I haven't prepped you with, but um, when we did at my first consult, you know, six, seven, eight, nine weeks ago, whatever it was, one of the things you said to me was about training and execution and how they should be on an even par. Do you want to elaborate yeah. on that just for people that are listening? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's, I think that's a really important piece. So uh, the way I look at it is as bodybuilders, we use, Movement as our vehicle for taking stress, that is the yep. load and reps to the target muscle. So, you know, we choose our movement and we guide our movements based on, you know, what, what tissue do we want to train? Mm. Um, so I think execution sort of forms the base. And then after that, you know, once we've got the skill of executing movement with high quality, that is something that, that that's movement that's safe and biases the target muscle, then we need to apply intensity. So when I, when I refer to intensity, what I'm referring to is, intensity in relation to the you know your your uh basically your point of failure so a lot of people label this intensiveness mm. so now we've got the execution right now we layer on the intensity yep. um and i think that in the fitness industry in general we tend to gravitate towards extremes in everything whether yes. it's like nutrition high carb this low carb that or whether it's bodybuilding where it's like just don't worry about the low, just focus on squeezing the muscle. And then you get the opposite end. It's like intensity is everything. <laughs> Screw your technique. And I'm like, you're both wrong, but you're, you're both right, but you're both wrong. Like yes. most things, yep. you know, if you're in the middle and you've got good execution, good intensity, you're going to get the very best result, uh, you know, with the lowest injury risk. However, however, just to elaborate on that one step further. Sure. If you really think about it, he who trains with intensity will get a result but at a high injury risk and uh, that can bottleneck your progress massively. Of course, of course. you're injured. Yep. He who trains with good in, uh, intention or execution, so they're one and the same, yep. but with a low intensity will likely get very little result or maybe no result. Right. So, but he who trains with intensity and intention slash movement quality will obviously get the best result longitudinally over a training career because they're going to get better you know, accumulate better stimulus and they're going to be able to train injury free for a much longer period. Yes. So. I love that. That's great. You should put that on your next lot of shirts. 
<laughs> if it would fit. That's, a, that's an idea for an Instagram post. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, right there. Um, okay, so moving along, to, obviously, you know, um, you've worked in gyms, you've personal trained, so you've, you have worked with Jen Pop, as you identified, and now you work with elite athletes. What's the name, main differences between the two in terms of um, their ability to train, like what we just spoke about, execution intensity, things like that? And how do you unlock that in someone if they are struggling to find that level of training that is required for them to go to another level in terms of their physique or strength or whatever? Hmm. Yeah, I think that I think that um, I think there's some just some generalized. I think we're just looking like really really broad between Gen Pop mm. and, and athletes. We sort of peel back the layers for Gen Pop and we we sort of forget about the minutia, right? Yep. Like we're not too concerned about the little things even nutritionally we're like meal timing as a bodybuilder like absolutely we're going to nail everything if that's going to give us one percent better we're going to nail yep. it sure whereas in gen pop you're probably going to brush over that in general but training wise oh i think that the, the fundamentals you know teaching someone execution and how to train hard can be very hard to do on an online basis which is solely how i work these days sure so most of the people i work with will have a couple of years of training behind them and then they've learned the fundamentals but generally speaking, um, I often say we teach new athletes how to train hard and we teach advanced athletes when to train hard. So, you know, if I, have, if I was to have someone who was quite new and I was to do a, a, an in-person session with them, mm. you know, we would take a moment to see, provided it was appropriate, they weren't fresh, fresh off the street, you know, they got a couple, <laughs> couple months behind them. Yes, yes. We would want to see where their ceiling is. Let's yes. teach, let's bench, I call it benchmarking your intensity. So I would okay. choose a movement selection that is not very technique dominant, like a leg press, for example. What yep. do you need to think about in a leg press? It's like, keep your hips in alignment, get an appropriate depth, push. Leg press takes care of the rest and don't lock your knees out. Sure. So it's not very technical like a squat. And then we would benchmark that for intensity. Let's see where the ceiling is. And when they have went to that ceiling, they can use as a reference point. Yeah, okay. I think that... Um, these days we're, we're, we're in a really awesome time where we have in, you know, uh, information at our fingertips. Everyone knows comes the second month or most people comes the second month of training what rate of perceived exertion is and reps and reserve is. Yep. And then they get a bit confused. Like I shouldn't be trained if I should be training at RP8. But if you have not actually seen or uh, experienced your true ceiling, you don't have yes. a reference point to gauge where your rate of perceived exertion or reps and reserve is. So I'm really big on taking new athletes and teaching them how to guide their mentality and guide their body for top, top level intensity. Then you can maybe start thinking about, you know, judging your, your perception of uh, proximity to failure. <laughs> and then on the opposite side with the advanced guys, sometimes you have to handbrake them. They're the guys that want to push through things. You know, maybe they've got a niggle or an injury. No, I want to push through it. Okay, cool. There's a time to push, there's a time to pull back. Yep. So I'd say that's kind of the biggest difference between say a beginner and, you know, the, the more advanced sort of- Unreal. Interview. I like that. That's a good way to look at it. Um, okay. So on a similar note in terms of all caliber of, um, of clientele that you might've experienced over the time, like excuses come up a lot and I wanted to get your interpretation and opinion on how to overcome that with someone you know and you might even still experience it with the athletes you've got today I know obviously they're, they're quite elite mm. in regards to what they do but there might be days they just don't want to train there might be days that they want to eat a burger when they've got to eat their set meal or whatever the case may be what's your advice to overcome that particularly when someone wants to 
take that next step, get to stage, be competitive? I think, look, this is a hard question to ask with any, uh, you know, with an absolute answer, like this is the way to go. Yep. But um, I think in general, the way I would approach it with my guys is this, any goal uh, will require some level of sacrifice. The more extreme or bigger the goal, the yep. larger the sacrifice. And I'm Absolutely. pretty open with my guys about that. Yep. Um, and yeah, so that, that would be my first sort of point of call. Um, but with that in mind, uh, I think it's really important to really sit down and establish that goal in concrete and make sure you've got sort of... Um, you, well, actually, I say, well, I wind this back. I think one of the most challenging things about bodybuilding is that in general, the result that we're creating, which is that look on stage, yep. is hard to quantify because it's really qualitative, it's subjective. And I think yes. that's a pretty hard thing to do because with powerlifting, for example, you write down your goals in terms of numerical values and you push for it. In bodybuilding, it's a little bit harder to do that because mm -hmm. the definition of proportion and symmetry is largely subjective and our capacity to measure body composition is quite rubbish even with today's technology sure so i think what i get my guys to do on a lot of occasions is i get them you know i always take an athlete i come in with a vision for what i want to create with them and i mm. try and put that vision over to them so that they can sort of you know they can uh i suppose materialize their goals in their mind and they can use that as a tool to rationalize their effort investment because there are times where motivation is high and that's awesome. That's where it's really natural. And it's really just you spring out of bed in the morning to get to the gym. Yep. And there are times when motivation wanes. And that's where discipline carries you through. But in order to be able to exert discipline, one needs to have a really important reason in their mind for pushing through it. So yes, I like that. That's like for me, for example, on my board over to the, the right of me. I have a picture of myself on stage last time with a bunch of lines drawn off them. Like, yeah, get some more delts here, a bit more calves and adductors. That's my way of further concreting the vision I have for my physique in my mind. So every time I step into my office in the morning, I'm seeing that. Yep. Cool. I'm going to the gym. That's what I'm working towards. Okay. Um, so that'd be like a general tool that I would, would uh, put forward. But I think that people also need to be realistic in terms of, where their ceiling is in terms of what they're willing to put in mm -hmm. and aligning that with the result. So if someone came to me and said, I can only train two times a week, I mean, they're probably, they're probably not going to come to me like that, you know, in that scenario. But um, as an example, they train two times a week, I can track like one meal a day. I'm like, well, you got to be okay with the fact that we're going to be shaving that result by like 80%. Yeah. Um, you know, thankfully on the most part, when people come to me, they're like, Lee, I'm really willing to do whatever it takes. And I would say, okay, like, let's make sure that we're doing this within safe parameters. Great. This is how we're going to go about it. Yep. Um, I hope that answered your question. I'm not it, sure. It did. No, it did. It did. And, and you know what? That that definition, which I will play back later, is is very um, palatable to many people. Even though you've used bodybuilding as an example, I think it can be applied to a lot of scenarios, which is really handy and very good. See, the cool oh. thing about bodybuilders, I think, is bodybuilders are usually... But most bodybuilders that come to me at least, they've got a fundamental understanding of nutrition and training. If they mm. don't, I'm going to teach them that. But sure. what that means is that they're able to be um, logical with their thoughts surrounding the result that they are accumulating. So if they said to me, 
hey, B, I just missed out on this result over, you know, without our four-week goal. Um, but I know that I did X, Y, Z. So it's expected, right? Mm. You're much likely to, more likely at least, to come to a conclusion like that with an athlete because they had the understanding. What always challenged me with Gen Pop is when people expect the result without putting in the work. And then <laughs> that's, yes. I mean, that's part of the reason why Gen Pop, I'm like, mm, that would really, really frustrate me. <laughs> yes, yes, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear, I can totally relate to that. Um, <laughs> well, let's all right. Let's let next question is more stage related. Then, obviously, you know we've all been to shows and know how how, like you said earlier, it's chaos. There's people running around everywhere. Um, the caliber of athlete is quite broad when you look at the spectrum on stage. You know, it might be 15 people, um, A to Z, etc. Um, you've obviously got an incredible reputation for bringing in condition, but when you look at you know, and I've done this several times. If I don't have an athlete competing at that point in time, I'll sit in the audience and just watch and do my own judging. And yeah. you'll see, you're generally not too bad in terms of, you know, places and stuff like that. But you'll see that there are quite a few that might be 10 or 15% off the mark. Now, in your experience, what does it take to find that extra 10 or 15%? So they've obviously done, you know, 90% of the work. They've trained, they've eaten. What are they missing? Is it that they haven't trained with the intensity that we spoke about before, or is it a lack of education or is it a lack of commitment to the cause? What, do, what do, yeah. from your experience, what do you think that might be? Well, actually it could be, I suppose that's a, that's a low It's a very broad question. Before, actually, before I jump into the question itself, I will say this, like having looked at bodybuilding over the past eight or so years, I do still think the, like the mean average quality of athlete is improving. Like I remember uh, going to shows uh in 2012 or so and there'd always be someone that would walk on stage without tan and you're like yeah oh, yep. someone got to tell this guy you know whereas we, i don't i don't think i've seen that in many years someone no. who's walked in like who just has not died at all or something like that so in general yep. the standard is definitely improving across the board mm. and i think that's in part due to ease of access of information thanks to the interweb uh the <laughs> internet um but yeah in, in reference to your question I think it's a multi, it's, it's a combination piece. I look at the body like a wonderful, as a wonderfully logical series of systems, right? If we control right. the right variables, we can persuade, um, you know, your, your, your biology in a certain direction okay. with quite a level of accuracy. Um, so I think in part, people who don't get into contest shape in part is going to be a lack of understanding and that makes way for a lack of planning. Yep. And then the other sort of component there is going to be um you know just, you know mental readiness as well because as you as you can relate you get in great shape for the stage it's i mean the shit doesn't sting getting a, you know getting lean right like <laughs> it's uncomfortable <laughs> and i That's think an there's very, yeah <laughs> but there's not that many people um who nail it the first time they get on stage mm. because there's so much learning that has to go in there uh in terms of how to you know work with uh work with your mental you know so that you're able to have the staying power to execute your protocol as needed yep. because i mean people often ask me does it get does it get easier to get lean and my answer to that is from a purely physiological perspective it would be illogical to assume your body is more willing to put itself in that potentially compromised position that is being really lean. But yes. 
you get better at, at mentally managing it. I can say Absolutely. the last kind of stuff I did was easier because mentally I could sectionalize my thoughts. Like hunger, for example, for me, at the end of the Connors prep is like, it's a, it's a frame of mind. I don't, I acknowledge it and I push it to the side. I don't care. Yep. So I do think that, um, again, I'm going off on a tangent here, but I think it's sort of a part and part piece, understanding strategy and execution. Okay. No, great answer. I like it. Um, okay. So another broad question, um, but based on your own... I guess opinion. Where where do you see natural bodybuilding going? What's what what does it look like from your perspective in the next five to ten years? You know, I've heard rumors that there's a push to try and get it into the Olympics. Um, you know, is there going to be more financial reward for what we put ourselves through? Um, where where do you see this sport going? Because it's incredibly popular at the moment, as we know. Yeah, look, I'd love to see that push uh, towards you know those really. Um, sought after platforms like the, the Olympics and that kind of thing. They're really cool. I think it's unfortunately unlikely mm. um, when it comes to something like the Olympics, it would be great to see. But due to the subjectivity of the sport, I think it would have limited application for that particular platform. Sure. Um, but I'd love to see that. In terms of where, where we're going, I think that we're going to see a continual increase in popularity of categories like classic, physique a classic classic physique and men's yep. physique yep. just because they seem to be both more attainable for the everyday individual or at least they give the impression that it's more attainable and it seems to be a look that most people would deem um more desirable yes. I mean, bodybuilding to me i mean i love it mm. but i don't think bodybuilding natural bodybuilding itself is growing in numbers as much as mm. something like um you know, men's physique. I mean, look, we look back at say 2012 before the introduction of men's physique um, and bodybuilding was it and figure was it. Mm. And those at those times we had categories of like 27 people, 30 people on stage. There was three lines. You'd be on stage for, you know, 30 minutes at a time. Yep. There was just so many rounds and call outs. And then what's basically happened is that that's sort of diluted amongst the other categories now. And yes, the sport has grown from there as, as well. But I think we'll see a continual push towards, you know, men's physique, classic bodybuilding, just because it is, it is really good to look at. It really is. Of course. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but okay. prize money wise. Yes. Sorry, okay. No, you go. Prize money wise, I don't, I don't know. I think that, because um, people always ask me this, like, oh, you're a pro. Like, what does that mean? Oh, not much. That's what that is. Does that mean you get paid for it? I'm like, oh, you might get half of your entry fee back in price money <laughs> if you did. Um, but I, I think that, you know, like prize money and brand endorsements are always going to be a little bit less, less of a piece in natural bodybuilding because when you look on the, you know, the front of a muscle tech, um, you know, container, mm. like, you really do want to see Ronnie Coleman on that thing, right? Like, of course, <laughs> you yeah. want to see something freaky. If you see a skinny natural bodybuilder, you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if huh? this stuff works. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair cool. That's fair cool. Um, well, then, on a personal note, okay, um, next five years for you, what does that look like? Obviously, you've competed overseas, you've competed as a pro, you've yeah. gone IMBA, ICN, WNBF. I remember actually. Side note, I remember watching, me and Monty sat down and watched your um, competition in, was it New York? Um, yeah, it was New York. Yeah, w, yeah. WNBF live. Uh, yeah. We live streamed it. 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that particular show, and I don't know if the other ones are similar, um, you did prejudging and then you had to wait something like six or eight hours before you came back out again. Is that right? Um, actually, that I'm trying to think. I'll tell you what, that was, I was in contest prep. That was a blur. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm testing you now. It, it was a big day. I remember we, we were there till uh, pretty much like 1, 1 a.m., something like that yeah, in the well. morning. Um, there was a pre-judging round. That's a very, as you know, it's a real old school thing. Yep. When the shows used to be really a lot smaller, like NABBA and uh, yep. I think maybe even IMBA used to run a pre-judging and then the, and you come back on, do your uh, routine and then get get your um, like your trophy round. Mm. But I think, I don't think the gap was that large, but we were just there forever. Like yep. I just remember trying to, I, I don't think people realize how hard it is to hold a peak as a, when you're really, really conditioned, like yep. I was, you, you're walking on eggshells for you know hours, just trying to teeter on, you know the the the, the tightrope in terms of managing your your fullness and tightness. It's, that was my next question. Yeah, hard yeah. going because oh yeah, cool. Like we're on an hour, okay, ahead of ahead of an hour, a projection for an hour. We're gonna make this nutrition, you know, change here. Start pumping up at this time, and then oh, it's gonna be another hour and a half, and you're just there. Like, <laughs> shit <laughs> i just want to go home now i'm done <laughs> oh dear oh sorry so i segue but um so in terms of your Absolutely. own ambitions um you know within the next five years what what's your what's that look like for you uh that's a great question man i think look the last time i got on stage i did a lot of the things that i wanted to do um i still really want to do w hit a w uh, hit wmbf again at some stage okay. Yep. Um, so the, the, you know, since 2019, my focus has been solely on my athletes, um, and my education. I'm always studying in some yep. way, shape or form so I can, you know, give, give everyone the, the highest standard coaching possible. Sure. Um, so the next five years, I think we'll, we'll really be focusing on the guys and gals really ensuring their best. I do plan on getting on stage again soon. Um, so, or soon ish. I'll tell you what, for me, getting on stage is like this, this, um, it's like this part of my soul that like burns. Like I'm so like mentally ready to go there again. Yep. But, um, yep. I got a couple of life goals with my, uh, uh, with my study. I, I, so I was studying the last time I did a contest prep plus managing a full, a full team. Yep. You know, we went to nationals. That was my first show for the season as a pro. And, um, the, those guys, we had 10 athletes on stage and I was getting on stage. It's just with a big juggle. So in future, I'd like to be able to, um, you know, finish my, my, my current master in science and then get back on stage after that. So I can take a team through and, you know, lighten the load, so to speak. I'm not spreading myself across three different pieces. So I'm thinking 2023. Okay, cool. Um, just quickly, how, how did you find that? Cause I know, um, obviously Leon's done that before I've done that before where you're competing <laughs> And, and managing clients and given your state of mind when you're in prep, deep in prep for that matter, did you find that incredibly challenging or were you pre-organized? Did you have assistance? How'd that go? I was about as, was about as organized as one can be. Yep. Um, I work, I really, whenever I prep, I, I'm really cognizant of the fact that my choice to prep is my choice and that I never want my athletes to experience, to really experience the difference in the services and the results that I can give them. Mm. I was told that some of my mannerisms changed in that I think as a coach in general, you need to know how to read your athletes. You need to know when to push and when to pull, what buttons, you know, to, 
to, to push to get their best. I was, uh, given that I was going through the process with them, um, you know, my, my uh, uh, I was told that I'm quicker to call out people's bullshit. Is <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> surprising? Um, <laughs> but getting to the stage day itself, um, given that I was competing as a pro, my season started right at the end, which was basically the ICN uh, national show. Mm. So it meant that a lot of the guys had competed two or three times beforehand. So they kind of knew what they're in for for this show day. So everyone was a little bit more relaxed. Uh, I was also on in the night. So I was on at like 7 p.m. And yep. all the amateurs were on earlier. Um, so it, it meant it did, did work out quite well. And I also flew, I actually flew uh, my partner and my mother down as well to do backstage and pump up for the guys and gals. So we were as organized as could be. Yep. And then after that, we had, um, yeah, after that, I flew the US and, you know, from over there, it was pretty, pretty simple. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unreal. Cool. All right, mate. Well, I won't take up any more of your time. I have one more question, which I ask all guests, and that is, who would you invite over to dinner? So I obviously pre preempted you with this question, but it can be fictional, non-fictional, live, dead, male, female, couple if you want. Like, who would you like to sit down, have a meal with, have a good chat with? Um, yeah, it's always an interesting answer because I've, I've got so many different responses over the time I've been doing this. You know, you actually did send me this, this question through. And I went, I don't know. I'm going to fluke this on the day. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if I had to make it, uh, i tell you what, there's, I'm going to nail it down to sort of two people. Okay. Um, two people. So I know, I know I'm, I'm kind of uh, going against your, your general answer for who, who is in as, as a singular. That's but right. From, from bodybuilding perspective, um, I'd love to have dinner with Doug Miller. I think he's an absolute um, yeah, okay. weapon. Um, more than anything, to stare at his biceps. No, I'm joking. But to, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're crazy. But um, more than anything, to to uh, to pick his brain on um, to pick his brain on training mentality. I, I I find I get a lot of learning from watching people. And yep. uh, just watching people train, I think there's so much learning in that because Absolutely. of the way that uh, just so that you can get in inside someone's head in, in terms of how they guide their thoughts for mm. performance. Because I would argue that, um, you know, one's mentality leading to a set is the largest determinant of immediate training performance because we can be well recovered, well hydrated, well fueled and get shit perform. Uh, sorry, not very good performance. <laughs> Our mentality is not there. But so Doug Miller, obviously great physique, but also for good reason, aside, uh, gen genetics aside, due to how he trains. So I would love to sit down with him, pick his brain on his, um, yeah, I mean, he, what, what his thoughts are with regard to training intensity. And if I had one more choice, I'd probably sit down with um, Dr. Eric Helms. I mean, I've oh. caught up with him on a couple of occasions when uh, he's come to Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think he's an absolute... Is an absolute uh, gentleman, both mm. as a person and also as a researcher. I think that uh, his contribution to our sport as a whole is just so valuable. Um, so yeah, I think he would be a pretty awesome gentleman to have a chat with as well. Absolutely, yeah, I like Eric. Eric's cool, unreal, mate. All right. Well, um, if anyone wants to sort of follow along and watch your athletes um, as they compete and get ready and stuff, what's your social media handles? Just give a quick shout out. 
Yeah, yeah, you can um, you can definitely find me on Instagram. Um, at, <laughs> uh, just at Brandon Kemter. I'm pretty sure if you put in the search bar BK conditioning, you'll find it as well. Oh, yeah. I'm semi-active, not as active as I should be on social media, but um, you can definitely find me there. Alternatively, I am available on Facebook as well, but I'm a little bit... Uh, haven't used that overly much, but you know I'm on there somewhere. So cool, <laughs> awesome, mate. Well, thank you very much for your time, man. I know I know how uh, how uh, precious time is for you, and and how much you uh, commit to your job. So really appreciate you giving some insight into what you do and how you do it, and how, why you're so good at what you do. Well, thank you very much for having me on. That is super appreciated. I I never pass up the opportunity to you know to to share some information slash insight, particularly when it's on the topic of bodybuilding, because of that course. is of course something that's that I'm super passionate about. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, mate. Thank you once again for Brandon for uh, giving up his time today. It was incredibly valuable information that he was able to talk about. And if you'd like to follow along with Brendan, Brendan, obviously uh, jump on his Instagram and have a look to see at what he does for his uh, clients and himself. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please screenshot and share it on your stories. Tag myself at Paul's Body Engineering and tag Brandon, BK Conditioning. Um, and as always, please subscribe to my podcast. We are on uh, Apple, Google, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Amazon, and Spotify. And as I say to every client, every single day, have a great day.